Um, if ever there was a word that the devil was scared of me bringing, it's this one. Because I've had one heck of a week getting here. A lot of uh, issues and various things that have come up. And, and God said right into that, you know, this is a word that I want people to hear. The devil doesn't want you to bring it. It's hot off the press because I'm still very much walking this part. Last time when I spoke, um, I brought the, well, just a quick reminder for those who weren't here. We spoke, spoke about trying to enter into God's freedom and, and intimacy with him. And I um, suggested, or I had also done a, an autopsy. This is, that's how I described it. Um, I laid myself before God and I said, okay, you show me what the areas of my life are that I need to receive your freedom in. I'd thought it was my cancer that God said, I want you to park that. I deal with the things that you can't deal with, and I'm going to show you the things that you can deal with. Um, the next part was this. This is not going to be new to any of you, but I think there's more than me that needed to be reminded of this and hear this. So the next blam in the ministry of blamming that I, that I seem to have been anoint, <laughs> gratefully anointed with was, Rebecca, you need to read my word. You need to read my word. To secure your freedom, you need to read my word. You need to sort out your daily time with me and read my word. I'm repeating it because if you're anything like me, if there's anybody else in here that was anything like me, I didn't really do that. Okay? Just being really honest, I didn't really do it. I came to church on a Sunday and I got a lot out of the speaking. I needed to get a lot of the speaking because I wasn't doing a lot during the week. <laughs> I had these daily life things that I would kind of read, the, you know, the, the top scripture and then the blurb. Um, and, and they fed me. So they did a job for about 20 years. They've been doing a job. It wasn't that I was without knowledge. I had lots of Christian friends. We chose to commit to church and to church life. So inadvertently... I was, I did know God's word, and I, and I understood a lot, but I was not daily serious. Yeah? I wasn't daily serious about my, as we used to cornerly call it, your quiet time. <laughs> I wasn't really that serious about that. I didn't really make it that important in, in the usage of my time. God said to me, in order for you to secure your freedom, walk it out every day for the rest of your life. It's not just a spiritual experience. You're living it. In order to secure the freedom I've been talking to you about, you need to be transformed by the renewing. What's between your ears? Your mind. I bet there's not a person in here who's not heard that before. But do we live like that? Do we actually live 
in that place where we're getting before God and allowing him to literally transform our minds. And I tell you why I think I'm not the only person who struggles with this. Because if we'd all got this nailed, we'd have revival. If we had this nailed, we'd have revival. So I'm sorry to have outed you. (laughs) But I'm kind of assuming, because we don't have revival, that it's not just me. Okay. My salvation was secure. Your salvation is secure. We're going to heaven. Woo! How we get there is, is up to us choosing. This is not about condemning anybody, but I decided my journey to heaven was going to be a good one. I wanted to live victoriously. Didn't matter about my cancer. I was not going to let my own choices and my own difficulties rob me of what the Bible promises us that we have. But it starts with what you choose to do in your daily life. Romans 12:2. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. If we want to walk out the freedom, we have to be transformed in our minds by the power of his word. It is not enough to get that on a Sunday. It is not enough to get that through some conversations. You have to actually commit and dedicate to spending the time in God's word. It is powerful. It is active. It cuts through to the core of who you are. And if you allow it to, it will transform your life here as you are transferring to your life in heaven. For me, and it may be different for other people, but God clearly said to me, I want you to start, I want you to revise your identity. I want you to revise, you think you know it, and I could probably splurt it off. I'm a new creation, you know, I'm renewed, no more in condemnation. But was a, was a living with that truth completely infiltrating every part of me? I, I wasn't. He said to me that if I want to understand what his purpose for me is, I need to start from a solid foundation of knowing what my identity is in him so that I can know in his calling what he wants me to do. And out of that place of understanding my identity, the biggest thing that comes out of that is love. The more you saturate yourself in who God says you is, you are, the more, <laughs> the more you are loved and the more you are able to love other people. And the only place to find this out is the Bible. So what did I do? Well, I didn't start reading my Bible. 
It took me a few months. And that's how much the devil wants to stop us accessing this power. Even though I had had that direct blaming, it still took me a while to get around to it, properly get around to it. When I did, it was one of those moments where I just went, you know what, I am sick of him nagging me. (laughs) This has just gone on and on. Everywhere I went, it was just read the word. In fact, one of the things that came out of nowhere was somebody singing. If any of you went to Sunday school, you might have been taught this song. Read your Bible, pray every day if you want to. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, I wish I'd listened to that 30 years ago. (laughs) It just kept coming back. If you want to secure your freedom, read my word. Rebecca, read my word. So I started. At first... I just started researching online my identity in Christ. I Googled it. Followed closely by, how does my identity in Christ affect my thinking and my behavior? I I started to listen to hours of teaching online in related to those areas, specifically how to live victoriously, but practically, right? We have to live out our daily lives. I wasn't looking to go and do some big ministry thing. I just wanted to see victory in my home. I asked my sister Sarah, my younger sister, if we could do some Bible study together. That was pretty radical. So we, because we usually sit around like talking about other people. (laughs) So we, I was, I went, you know, I was like, you know what, I don't want to do that anymore, Sarah. So we started a Bible study. I, I selected, I wanted to do it with her because we have an honesty in our relationship, so we are able to properly challenge each other. Not just that, but able to be completely vulnerable, able to talk about the things that maybe we would really struggle with, but we would perhaps prefer not to divulge to others. I'd really recommend finding somebody like that, another person that you could just pair up with that you're able to reveal who you really are to. I woke Mark late one night, bless him, he was fast asleep. I was like, Mark, Mark, we need to start praying together. (laughs) You see, when this started rolling, yeah, I became desperate for for my transformation. God had told me where to find it, so we d- my first step was when I cried for freedom. The second one was how to secure it. And I so wanted to secure it. Mark, Mark, we, we, you know, we, we don't pray together. We don't study. We don't do anything together. We, 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 just, we just live together. <laughs> it needs to get better than that. He's like, oh. He's, he knows me well enough to know that he just has to say yes. I don't sleep very well because of all the treatment and the, the, the illness that I have. One of the things that has been very, very difficult is, is consistent sleep and, and good sleeping patterns. So Mark set me up with um, podcast of, of Rick Warren and Joyce Mayers. 
And in the night, I would just plug in my headphones and listening to, listen to them for sort of two hours. I knew why, do you remember I told you that God had um, spoken to me about watching TV? Geordie Shore, X on the Beach. Oh. He, t- he spoke to me in the dead of the night once and said, that's why I spoke to you about those. Because by getting rid of those things, I'd made time. Okay? I didn't know when he, when he said, please, Rebecca, stop watching that trash on the TV. But I suddenly had all this time. I gained about 15 hours a week. I bought a new study Bible. So I bought a Bible, in fact, I've probably bought about 10 since this happened, that have notes in and things that help me to understand some of the scriptures that I've not been able to get before. And I'm running down those things because there are so many options for how to get into God's word. All all you have to do is decide that you're going to do it. That, that revelation of, I need to do this, to see my life transformed, I need to do this. God, I'm going to be obedient. God is telling me that I have to do this. What happens when you do this? Your behavior changes. Ministry is amazing, and I have had plenty of it. And I would never withhold from coming up and getting prayer. But it is not enough. Sorry. It is not enough. You can come up, you can come up as many times as you like. But when you get out of here and you go home, you need sustenance. You need something to teach you how to claim it, live it, be it forever so that you can have know how much God loves you and live victoriously within that I'm going to give you some little illustrations of perhaps exactly some examples of how this changed me okay and I'm going to start with a story of Barbie and Ken (laughs) I've asked for permission to share this Some time ago, probably a couple of years ago, maybe 18 months, a new couple arrived in our church. And the minute they walked in, I thought, oh, no, here we go again. (laughs) I have never, this is confession time, I have never managed very well with, with what I would describe as nice Christians. I've always had a little difficulty with them because they've got that whole kind of squeaky clean thing going on. You know, they seem to have everything wrapped up. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're good looking, you know, good shape, great kids. They can get up and, yeah, fantastic, yeah, great clothes. They can get up and speak. They have a ministry. They, they seem to know where they're going. And and for me, I've always kind of gone, oh, I won't be making friends with them. I mean, I'll fellowship, I'll fellowship with them, but I'm, you know, that's where it, that's where it ends, right? 
God really challenged me on this when I started reading his word. He basically said to me, what is, what is your problem? And I was like, well, th- you know, these people, they're so, they're so like this, they're so fake, they're so oh, Mr. and Mrs., you know, and everything's sorted for them. And, <laughs> and he said to me, the problem is not them. The problem is you, Rebecca. The problem is you. And he took me deeper than that. The problem with you is that you are not secure and confident in how much I love you. And at the time, and this is to do with daily study, because I, you know, this is what I'd committed to. So in this study time, Barbie and Ken kept coming up. And the, hilar- the hilarious thing about this, for me, was that he took me to a story in the Old Testament. And I, I've, I've never read, I, I didn't know this story. I'm sure all you sages will probably will when I tell you it, but I didn't. It was the story of Rachel and Leah. Or Lee, I'm, I'm saying Leah. And what was so hilarious about that was that this person that I had this issue with because she was so nice was, was Rachel. <laughs> A.K.A. Barbie. <laughs> and I was like, you're kidding. God is taking me to a Bible story about somebody called Rachel and I have a problem with somebody called Rachel. <laughs> the story is that the, these two women were married to Jacob, okay? This was the bit that really, really knocked me. Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah. Well, I'm older than Rachel. And the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak and she was plain. (laughs) But Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. If that isn't God trying to get a message across to you. And the story of these two sisters is rich in jealousy and envy because the other had what the other wanted. So Leah was married to Jacob and was able to have children. Rachel married Jacob wasn't able to have children, but Jacob preferred her. So the story is about wanting what other people have and how that that jealousy can destroy situations. I needed to hear that. If I had not been spending time studying God, I, I wouldn't have come across that story. That's the truth of it. And at that has done, had more impact on me in that area of, of, first of all, dealing with why I feel like I have to deal with like that with other people, what my issue is, how God's going to deal with that, and then giving me an illustration of that. God said to me, see, 
I give some things to some people and I give other things to other people. And you just have to bless my name. And I love you so deeply that if you spent more time understanding that, you wouldn't have space to feel threatened by other people. And ladies, more so than men, I think we're probably more guilty of this than many other things. We're so threatened by each other. We're so fundamentally insecure around other ladies. Read the story of Leah and Rachel. The second one I'm going to illustrate is my marriage. Okay? I hinted last time at the, the, the distance that's maybe been created between Mark and I during the course of my illness. And that God's wiggling when he told us that we need to just take steps, small steps, to change behavior. That's how it happens. It can happen radically, but for most of us, it's small steps. I'm sure Mark and I could do a great marriage guidance course on the um, art of wiggling within a, within a marriage. <laughs> wiggle, wiggle our way to the chandelier. Mark and I, some time ago, to try and deal with the difficulties that we were having, took ourselves to marriage guidance. It, it got terminated because I had a further spread of illness, okay? But I, we really had got to a point where we were living like housemates. We were living on emergency so often that it was just a very functional relationship. When I started to study his word, I came across many references to honor and love within a marriage. And because I'd said yes, that I was going to spend this time with God in his word, studying what he needed to show me about my life. One of the, the subjects that he brought me to was about my marriage. And I ended up reading 1 Peter 3. And it talks about women being submissive to your husbands. Not inferior, but out of respect. God has entrusted your husband to you. And they are accountable to God. So that even if some do not obey the word of God, they may be won over to Christ without discussion by the godly lives of their wives. When they see you being respectful, devoted, appreciating them, love them, encourage them, and enjoy your husband as a blessing. Your adornment is not just external. It comes from the inner beauty of the hidden person of the heart with a quality and an unfading charm of a gentle and peaceful spirit. Calm, self-controlled, not over-anxious, but serene and mature. And this is a precious, this is very precious in the sight of God. And I was really challenged by that. Not only to Mark, but to my children, to, to people outside my family. What a list of instructions 
on how to love somebody else and how to treat them. This is why I said that this word is still a word in season for me. You don't do that overnight. You don't just go, oh, thank, thanks for that, God. Oh, and I, I'm going to be different tomorrow. <laughs> you, ha- you decide that you agree with it and you choose to live that way. It doesn't matter whether, like me, you chased your children around the pool table and screamed at your husband the minute they come through the door before. From today, the power of the word is that you can be different and you start now. It's done, yesterday's gone, and today is a new day. I can't tell you how those scriptures have begun to change the atmosphere in my home. I'm by no means there, none of us are. But if we want to talk about revival, then, then I feel I'm on the edges of a revival in my home. But where else does it begin? If we were not living like that in the privacy of your house, and, and I wasn't, I wasn't horrendous. I didn't beat anybody up. <laughs> so we're not talking about extremes here. We're just talking about probably a very normal family. But God told me there was more. I knew I felt trapped by certain behaviors. And the way to be delivered from those was to go to God, ask for my freedom, lay myself before him, say yes to him, wiggle, and the big, big, big starting point is saturating yourself in God's word. That is what transforms you until the day where you go up to glory. The way to achieve this is discipline. Oh. <laughs> when I when I had I think it was Josie, I had gained quite a lot of weight, about three and a half stone. I wasn't in a healthy weight range, and I knew that. And I knew also I had to do something about it. I took myself off to Weight Watchers, and I decided. I'm going to say decided is a huge step. Whatever it is you want to achieve, you decide that you're going to do it. I decided I needed to lose weight. I diligently and disciplinary put myself into a place where I daily made choices about what I ate. I am not, I, I, I am not a thin person. I am a fat person who diligently and disciplined chooses what I do to stay in healthy shape. Anyone, anyone want to lead? <laughs> okay. The reason I'm saying that is because there are a lot of parallels between weight issues and managing them 
and living out in the word of God, for me they are. There are a lot of parallels. The amount of focus you need, right? We're, gonna, we're changing habits here, and habits are hard to break. You actually have trackways in your brain, and if you have thought a certain way for a long time, be it around behavior or a lifestyle, your brain does it automatically. The, the, the word of hope is that you can create new pathways. So you can create new tracks in your brain which will send different messages to you so that your behavior changes. But you have to break that habit and create the new habit and that's the hard bit. And contrary to what anybody says, it takes months to change behavior. It takes months. But I think that's helpful because if you know that it's gonna take you six months to achieve a diet or to achieve time with God, then you're not gonna be disappointed when in the middle of next week, you're not doing it anymore. Because you're going to think, you know what, you know, I know this. I know I'm breaking a habit. I'm breaking a habit of not submerging myself in God's word. And I'm creating a new habit. And that is hard work. And I have to get up every day. And I'm doing this right now. I get up every day. And the first thing I do in the morning is go, right, God, I'm going to fail today if you don't go before me. I cannot walk out what you're calling me to do. I, I'm, I know I'm going to see Evie at breakfast and she's going to say something to Archie that's going to make me want to leap across the table and wring her neck. But, that it, but, but, but you don't want me to do that. I know that I'm going to go to church on, Saturday, on Sunday and I'm going to see Barbie. And at, and, at the, and at the moment, you know, I'm not in a very strong position to deal with that because she's got hair and I haven't. I know I'm going to get down to the schoolyard and I'm just going to want to run away and not speak to any of the other mums who look fabulous. There are so many things in our day that, that are contrary to the truth in God's word. In order to fight those battles, you have to get yourself into God's word so that your life becomes transformed and you think differently. What I would suggest is that you set a goal like you would for a diet. So if you are recognizing that perhaps the, the quality of your time with God by yourself each day is not maybe what you would like it to be, it doesn't matter what you've done before. If you want to see victory from now to when your time comes, and I'm not dissing ministry or counseling, I've had them all, a few times. I'm not dissing those things. You do that too. But if you really want to see maturity and long-term victory, you, you, you have to get this quiet time nailed. And I'm nailing it, trying to nail mine. You set a faith goal. Mine was, by Christmas, so it's, they're measurable and they're tangible. By Christmas, I am going to be in the pattern of giving God the best of my time in the day. I'm going to decide 
that there is a slot in my day that I'm going to dedicate to him, to praying, to reading, to studying. I can do it by listening. I can do it by reading. God will show me. Then, to sustain it, I did a timetable, which is nothing fancy, but I pinned it up. There you go. Everyone can manage that. I could have made it look all fancy in a computer, but that would have been a lie. So I've brought, I brought what I really had, right? And it just has, it has God on it. It has the gym on it. It has making my family's lunches. It has odd jobs in the house that need sorting. It has um, rest time. And it has some preparation and writing time. Okay? I'm, I'm, I'm being deadly serious now. When I did that timetable, I realized how unbalanced I spent my time. I realized how little time I had left. Once I'd filled in all my priorities, okay, so that was God first, because I, I needed to be able to carry out the timetable, so I needed God to do that for me. So God first, uh, health is important, so factoring in exercise and buying proper food so that I planned meals, spending time with my children, so I blocked in, you know, that is when that happens. It won't take you long to run in your head what is really essential for your life to operate. You will not have a lot of time left. And if you do, come and tell me how you've done it. <laughs> the, the, the interesting thing about that is that we get caught up in so many people and things. TV, even, even serving in church, can be a huge saturation on time. But God would rather that you were spending time with him. That's why you go to the one who made time to learn about time. It's not the other way around. You don't kind of say yes to everything and then wonder why you're struggling emotionally and mentally and why you're still going round in the same patterns of behavior that you were going round in 10 years ago. You have to make the time to spend the time with God to learn about your time so that you can be transformed. I found this really quite painful when God said to me, you profess to love me. You know that I love you, but you give me so little of your time. You, you say things about, you know, that you recognize I can transform you. You say these things, but you don't actually even give me half an hour of your day. Just you and me. Just you and me, Rebecca. I adore you. I long. I long. I've got so much to say to you. I can help you in so many things that you find hard. That marriage guidance counselling that Mark and I went to that we didn't manage to complete, we have made 
more progress in three or four months of me deciding that I was going to read God's word than we made in any of that marriage guidance counseling that we went to. And I'm not against counseling. I'm not. But what I'm saying to you is that true behavior change comes from a resetting from God's word, a resetting of the habitual damaging patterns of behavior that we have. You're going to be attacked. The devil does not want you to do this. Okay? He really doesn't want you to do this. Because there's so much power in you changing. There are so many people around you who are going to be affected if you really get before God and say, show me, show me what what needs to be sorted in my life, what needs to go back into the right perspective. And you start letting his word minister to you privately. I, I, I promise you, I, I've been able to speak to people about my faith in a way that I never have done before because I've had the confidence and, I, and, I, and it's come out of a place of deep knowledge. I took Archie to the barbers the other week and um, while I was there, I thought, oh, maybe they'd be able to shave off these tufts that are like growing on my reverse Mohican. <laughs> so... So that well, you know, shy bairns getting out. So I went to the up to the up to the man, and I sort of said, "Could you just like maybe like cut these bits back a little bit because it's growing through irregularly?" And he went, "Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I've never had a request like that before." And I was like, "Oh well, you know, there's always a first. And I sat down, and of course, it opened up a conversation. And he and he he said, "You know, oh, well, you know, you, you look like you've been on quite a journey and everything." And before I knew it, I was telling him all about Jesus and, and inviting him to come to church. <laughs> but I, I, I've never been able to do that. It changes you because the more that you draw to God and realize who, who he is and what he did for you on that cross, and you cannot just get that from other people sharing that with you. You have to go to his word and have that blamming. One of the things that's been said about me during the whole course of my journey with cancer has been, oh, but Rebecca, you know, you're just such a strong person. You're such a strong, positive, determined person. And, I, and I've always found that a little difficult because in the natural, I'm, I'm not actually... I'd really rather sit and watch Geordie Shore on the telly. And that makes me quite a lazy, undirected person. But I have made decisions that have exercised those muscles in me that have made me persist. You just have to start somewhere. Exercising of muscles, discipline. You just begin. You just say, okay, I'm going to read my word, the word of God. I want to do it by Easter. And every day you get up and you're going to fail and the devil's going to have a right go at you and it's going to be really difficult. But because you've got your goal set, you're not going to lose sight of it. So you're going to get up the next day and you're going to do it again. I lost focus the other week on the way to a conference with uh, Jackie and some other ladies. I really needed the toilet. So Jackie pulled over at T-Bay Services 
I was so desperate to get to the toilet that I took no notice of what direction I was going. I mean, I was really at that point where there was going to be an accident. So I ran on ahead of the other, the other ladies who were traveling with us. And I was like, Whoa. and I, I kind of saw this toilet sign at the end of this corridor. And I was like, oh, I ran off down there and I, I went in and it was, all, it was all empty. So I ran to the nearest cubicle. Oh, such a relief. <laughs> and after a few minutes, I thought, well, where's the other ladies? I thought, taking their time. I heard this person going to the cubicle next to me. So I thought, well, I think they'd have shouted if it was them, but no, never mind. Heard what sounded only like a bucket full of water being tipped into the toilet. <laughs> I was like, what woman makes a noise like that on the toilet? Still didn't, you know, wasn't, wasn't worried about this problem. I was like, I, I thought I was desperate. She must have been holding that in for three days. <laughs> so, you know, finished myself, finished off, finished off. Opened the toilet door. In front of me was a line of men at the urinals. I was like, slammed the door. Because I, I was under stress then, so I couldn't think. Slammed the door shut. I was like, what do I do now? I'm stuck in the toilets. So I did what any sensible person would do. I got down on the toilet floor. <laughs> to look under the door to wait for them all to disappear. <laughs> Realised that was not very sensible because at that moment it was like a whole coach load came in. So this is getting worse. I thought there's nothing for it. I'm just going to have to pull my hood up and run out. <laughs> so looking very inconspicuous, I pulled my hood right over my face and set off you know, out the toilet. But I was so desperate to get out that I bumped into a man. <laughs> I was like, and then I was like, oh, oh, and then ran off to hear Jackie's voice in the women's toilets, where I should have been. So well, I don't know where she's gone. I was like, I'm here, I'm here. Oh my goodness, I've had a really awful experience. But that's what happens when you lose your focus. <laughs> You can end up in some places you really don't want to be. We all know the story of the Israelites. It should have taken them 11 days to get to the promised land. It took them two years before they even reached there. All the moaning, all the complaining, the blaming of other people, other situations, things that they didn't want to do. It took them two years. When they got there, <laughs> they should have gone in, but they, they didn't. They didn't because they didn't trust that when they got there, they were going to be able to fight the giants that were there. Our wilderness, they went back into the wilderness and they were there for another 38 years. Our wilderness is our souls. We wander around not trusting in words that we have, in, in, the, in what God asks us to do. And when we get to the point where we could have our victory, I can't do that, I'm scared, I'm scared. 
and we turn around and we go the other direction. We all do it. The really, really challenging thing about this story when I, re when I revisited this in my quiet time was that there is there, they had an anointing. When, when, when they reached the promised land, God's anointing was on them to go and fight those giants, okay? But they didn't take it. They wandered around, and when they went back, okay, I'm going to see, I've got this here. Um, at first, they were, the people are bigger and taller than we are, and their cities are large and fortified all the way up to heaven. And besides, we saw giant-like suns in there. So that's why they wouldn't go, because they were scared. They were scared to take the challenge. When they changed their minds and they went back, we have sinned against the Lord. We will go up and fight, just as the Lord our God has commanded us. So you, equipped, ev so we, equip we are equipped with every man with weapons of war and regarded it as easy to go up into the hill country. But the Lord said to me, so this is to Moses, say to them, do not go up and do not fight, for I am not among you. Because of your rebellion, you will not, you went off, you will not defeat your enemies if you go now. That, that, is, a, that is a sobering message. Basically, they did decide to go, but they were defeated, and many of them didn't enter the land at all. What, what really hit me about this was that if you have a word from God, the anointing to act on that word is now. I, I'm not telling you a word. God has laid a word on my heart, and I'm just being obedient and bringing it. The freedom cry, but the tenacity and the diligence to study in his word and walk in that is, the, is a biggie. And he's asking you to do it. He's asking you today to spend time with him every day. Make the time, do a timetable, find the best way for you. But he's asking you to do that. The anointing to achieve that, if you've tried and failed before, is on that word now. It's on that word, it's on the word I'm speaking now. Now you, you can decide this is too hard for me. You know, it sounds very religious. Um, I don't really want to do that or I'm not ready or I, you know, I've got this problem, I've got that problem. But he will give you the power and the strength and the character to do it, but it's now. Don't wa wander around in that wilderness for another few years, not being disciplined in this way. I want to, I've rewritten the 23rd Psalm, and I'm going to, I'm just going to read it out to you. I am my own shepherd. I'm always in need. I stumble from shopping center to shopping center. 
and the prayer ministry team weep when I come forward again. I creep through the valley of the shadow of death and become depressed and fall apart again. I fear everything, especially the church rota. And I'm already behaving like my mother. I go to the Sunday service and are surrounded by Barbies and Kens and feel inferior. I go home and every member of my family scowls at me. I anoint my head with an overdose of ibuprofen. My gin runneth over. <laughs> Misery and misfortune are going to follow me and I am to live in self-doubt, fear and anxiety for the rest of my failing life. Many of us are like that. But we don't need to be. We, we know the answers to a victorious life. We know them. We just need the, the goal and the discipline. And God will love you into the rest. <laughs>